a good move. Why'd you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. Yoo-hoo, running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden. I am Ronnie, lifelong fan of and one-time voice on Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And on this podcast, we are watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time. And the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is Season 4, Episode 10, Bart Oates. You gotta pay the price, man. You gotta go all the way. Listen to what I'm telling you, Carl. Listen to what I'm telling you. Wait, Bart Oates, wait! I got so many more stats I want to throw at you! He's gone. Bart Oates making its Adult Swim debut on December 3rd, 2006. In this episode, a surprise visitor makes Carl reevaluate everything he knows about intellectual property laws. So I'm pretty sure I had seen this one back in the day or at some point in the past, but I absolutely could not remember anything that happened in the in this one besides the fact that Bart Oates shows up like and is, is somewhat of a ghost uh, to Carl. So when I did watch it back, I was very pleasantly surprised by this one. And Bart Oates being a drastically different episode from the previous episode, Munawana. And if you listen to the coverage of that episode, I was not a fan of Munawana, but Bart Oates, it's a bit more my speed. We've got a fun story here, some good moments from all the Aqua Teens. It's a pretty Carl-centric episode, but the other three Aqua Teens do have some notable appearances throughout it. All this to say, Bart Oates, a bit of a sleeper hit for me. One I'm very excited to get into for the podcast today, and also excited to let you know we've got some correspondence from Aqua Teen co-creator Dave Willis, Aqua Teen art director Bob Pettit, and Aqua Teen editor Jay Wade Edwards for this one. We're uncovering all sorts of dirt on Bart Oates, but of course, before we can get into all that good stuff, we've got some other stuff to talk about first. First up, our Aqua Teen news this week. Let me tell you, the other day, I'm just minding my own damn business. Uh, that's usually what I do these days. I don't mind other people's businesses. Those, those days are long behind me. So I mind my own business. An email rolls in. Who's it from? It's from Aqua Teen co-creator Matt Malero. Matt, he said I could tell you this. He's working on a little project here. He's working on some shorts. He sent me a screenshot, and I don't think I should tell you anything that I saw in this screenshot, but if you just just imagine the things that you know about Matt Malero, the things that he is known for, and you could probably start to formulate uh, in your head what's going on in the screenshot that I got. So, Matt, he's working on this, I think, by himself. Like, I don't think this is a network thing. I think he's just doing this for fun. I want to clarify, it's a live-action thing. This isn't, like, an animated project. I hope we get to see it soon, and I'll try and be able to tell you more in the future. I don't know a whole lot about this, but, Matt, he seems to be moving on something. I hope we can see it soon. So that's our Aqua Teen news this week. Next up, we've got a voice message. I want to play it for you. Liv has got something to say. Hello, Ronnie. My name is Liv. My brother and I have been longtime Teens fans since his initial run in 2000. I attend My Brother 14. We fell in love with the show for its hip-hop feel and goofy humor reminiscent of MTV Liquid Television. My brother and I being big underground hip-hop heads and also metalheads, 
We love the use of Pioneer Schoolie D, humor of MC Chris, and shouts to rock metal musicians like Zach Wilde, Dan Zig, and Getty Lee. I'm popular stance, but my brother and I are big Frylock fans. Him being the same man in bizarre situations will never not be funny for us. My brother, who's a rapper, also got Carrie Means on his song, while my brother does a very impressive Meatwad impression. I'll email you the song called Dr. Quinn Meets the Fries, and guess my brother got his rapper name, Dr. Quinn from C-Lab. Myself, I'm a visual artist while holding a day job as a butcher. I got all my coworkers saying a rice chicken before our poultry shipments <laughs> arrive. Listen to your podcast while opening shop before the break of dawn gets me going before the long work day. Thank you so much and keep up the good work. Liv, thank you so much for this wonderful voice message. So many fun little details here. First of all, I always say it, always a pleasure to know that people are listening to this at work. That's why podcasts mean so much to me, because I would not be able to make it through my workdays without them. So thank you for letting me know that. I love that your brother and yourself connected to Aqua Teen because of the musical references throughout, because it's a very similar situation to myself. Now, I didn't know who Schooly D was outside of Aqua Teen when I was a kid, but certainly, you know, like you mentioned, like Zach Wilde being in the show, uh, Danzig being in an episode, things like this, things uh, from my childhood that... I felt like the kids at school didn't know about these music artists, but to see them on Aqua Teen was so cool and definitely facilitated me falling in love with this show the same way it sounds like you and your brother did. So I did hear Liv's brother's song and his album as well. It was very good. I'll put a link to this in the description here because Liv's brother got Carrie Means on one of his tracks doing like an intro skit. So definitely very much worth your time. Link to that in the description. And the last thing I'll say is, God damn it, I love the Arise Chicken reference there. I hate to say it because I worked in a restaurant before and I never even thought to say Arise Chicken when the chicken showed up. I get we're just operating on two different uh, wavelengths here. Live living in uh, thirty twenty four, not twenty twenty four. Just some big brain stuff. Thank you so much, Liv, for this wonderful voice message. I really liked hearing it. And can I say this is probably one of the most professional sounding voice messages I've ever gotten. Liv sent me this entire one minute clip. I had to do zero editing to it. And let me tell you, it's a complete opposite story of editing my own voice for this podcast. So if you'd like to send in your own voice message, you can head on to dancingisforbidden.com. Check the uh, the menu, the header. I don't know what you want to call it. There's a link to it over on the website. Otherwise, you can check the description of this podcast episode if you want to leave your own voice message. So Liv told us about connecting to Aquatine back in the 2000s. What do you say we head back to the 2000s as well and see what the heck was going on the week that Bart Oates premiered? Still dancing and waddling its way all the way to the top of the box office this week. It is happy feet for our third and final week in a row. Robin Williams, Elijah Wood, Brittany Murphy, they're all there for your viewing pleasure. And honestly, I'm a little bit surprised to see this film so many times on this list and to see that it's done so well, because I don't really remember this movie making that much of a splash back at the time. I remember seeing commercials for it back in the day, but I absolutely wouldn't have guessed that it did as well as it did. But you know, looking back at the cast on it, it's not really a surprise that it did this well. This week, it's got $17.5 million, and again, this is its third week, so that is a, a pretty r good number there. 
especially for a film that's already been out for a couple weeks at this point. So it's still Happy Feet, nothing new there. I do want to mention the second top film this week is Deja Vu, starring Denzel Washington and Val Kilmer. So uh, there's something else going on. The film is about a terrorist doing a bombing, some crazy shit. Look, we're in a post-9-11 world. What else are they supposed to write films about, if not dancing penguins or a bomb threat? Moving on here, let's give a little listen to our top album this week. Our top album this week is Doctor's Advocate by The Game, moving over 358,000 copies this week, which is a very big number here. And I, I'm not too familiar with The Game, but I was absolutely shocked. Because in the song I played for you, this is the lead single, It's Okay, One Blood. Uh, He name drops Dr. Dre three times in the first 30 seconds, which I was completely surprised by. And you might be saying, well, Ronnie, Dre produced the track, right? No, he didn't. Dr. Dre had nothing to do with this record. But uh, I guess the game name drops him on every song on this album except for one. Now, I should say the game's previous record, the 2005 album, The Documentary, was a huge hit and it was produced by Dr. Dre. So they knew each other, but Dre didn't work on this album and seemingly uh, it's called Doctor's Advocate. It was even named after Dr. Dre in a way. And I guess this is the game's shtick is that he name drops people constantly like in his songs. So I find that super interesting because I'm not that familiar with the game's music. This record actually has a bit of an Aqua Teen connection to it, and that is the song Compton has a writing credit by Schoolie D, who of course does the Aqua Teen theme song. He does his own voice on the show throughout many episodes. So it was cool to see him in the credits on this one, but I don't think he performs on the song. I'm not entirely sure what his writing credit is, like if they sampled something he did or what, but Schoolie D, he does have his name on this one in whatever weird capacity that he does. But that's our record, Doctor's Advocate by The Game, not an album I'm familiar with at all. I don't, I didn't recognize any of these songs when I heard them, but it was a good listen nonetheless. So let's move on to our top single this week. I see you whining and grinding up on that pole. I know you see me looking at you and you already know I want to fuck you. You already know I want to fuck you. You already know. In the air as Mofil, grab you by your coattail, take you to the motel, wholesale, don't tell, won't tell, baby say I don't talk dog, but she told on me, oh well, take a picture. Alright, our top single this week is I Wanna Love You by Akon featuring Snoop Dogg, and <laughs> this song is something else, I don't know how you seriously sing, I wanna fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that was originally the name of the song was I Wanna Fuck You, but then <laughs> that was changed. Uh, there's quite the interesting backstory to this song. So let me just read it to you straight off of Wikipedia here because I don't know 
any better way for this to be written out. Florida rapper Plies was the original performer on this song, but Akon replaced his verses with those of Snoop Dogg's for commercial reasons. Plies was arrested on July 2nd, 2006 for illegal gun possession while two of his people were charged with attempted murder after a shooting broke out at 238 West Nightclub in Gainesville, Florida. Plies was performing a concert when he was informed that his show would be cut 15 minutes short in order to give time to Lil Boozy to perform right after. In response, Plies' entourage started to fire (laughs) at the crowd, resulting in the injury of five people with non-life-threatening wounds. Shortly after, Plies was released after paying $50,000 bail. So this isn't really a laughing matter, but like I don't really under- understand the jump from, hey man, you got to finish up 15 minutes early to, all right guys, start shooting into the crowd who's here to see me. Like that doesn't make any sense. This is absolutely batshit. It sounds like a goddamn Aqua Teen plot line here. But that's a little bit about this song. The last thing I want to say besides the fact that I can't say I really uh, recognize this song is that uh, I listened to the original Plies version, I found it online, and I think Snoop Dogg was a better fit. He fits the vibe of the song better, this Plies fella, a little bit more aggressive uh, in his delivery, if you couldn't guess based on firing on his own audience. The other thing I want to say is, I think this is the first time I've ever seen what Akon looks like. Now, I know his music, but I didn't know what he looked like, and I'm very surprised. I guess he just looks more like an average person (laughs) than I expected him to. But, you know, the old fire into the crowd trick that Plies came up with here, I'll have to keep that in mind for uh, any future Dancing is Forbidden live shows. So, all right, our top alternative track this week is Welcome to the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. Yet again, I'm going to say it now, this is our top alternative track for the rest of the season, basically. So I'm just going to stop bringing this song up uh, as, as much as I love it and as much as I heard it growing up. I don't got to keep talking about it every week, but I do want to say on November 27th, so within this past week before Bart Oates premieres, the band The Offspring announced that they were back in the studio recording their first album since 2003's Splinter. And this record ended up being Rise and Fall, Rage and Grace, which is an album I listened to a heck of a lot in like 2008 or 2009 around when it came out. So cool to see that. So moving on to our video games here, there's one video game we're talking about this week. This game came out November 29th, and this game, it's a little game called Gary's Mod. And kind of a strange name here, let me explain it to you. If you couldn't guess, it's a mod made by a guy named Gary Newman. Wow! What is it a mod of, you might wonder? It is a mod of Valve's Source Engine, which is the engine that games like Half-Life, Counter-Strike... Uh, Team Fortress, those games are made on the Source Engine, and then old Gary here made a mod, basically turning the Source Engine into a sandbox that anybody could make game modes in, anybody could import their own assets into, and Gary's mod itself, like, isn't a game. It's Think of it like a program that other people, other users, can make games in for other people to play. And there's all sorts of stuff on here. You can make, you know, anything you could almost think of on Gary's Mod. But the most popular game mode on here is a mode called Prop Hunt, which was created by a guy who goes under the name AMT. It was popularized right here in Gary's Mod. And you may have played Prop Hunt 
in a lot of other games, and those games include Call of Duty, uh, Fortnite, Genshin Impact, and Overwatch, and those big games are basically taking this game mode and implementing it into their own games. And Prop Hunt, the way it works is... It's kind of like hide-and-seek. You have some players being the hiders, some being the seekers, except the hiders, they take the form of random objects you might find in a map. So maybe a chair or a cup or, or something along those lines. And then they have to hide in the map, and then the seeker has to go out and say, wait a second, that giant chicken statue isn't normally in the middle of the map. That's a player. And then they catch you, they find you, and then you got to find other people. So that's just one of the many modes that you could find in Gary's Mod. That mode, again, still living in other games today and originating in Gary's Mod. But Gary's Mod itself is still very, very popular. It came out here in 2006, and as of this recording in February of 2024, it's 2 in the morning as I record this. There are currently 17,000 players in Gary's Mod right now, and within the past 24 hours, the peak was almost 30,000 people playing this game. So Gary's Mod, it's still going strong. So alright, it is December 3rd, 2006, and you're just a real piece of shit, a real bastard, a real dredge on society. You love killing people, you love when people die, you love sacrifice, and uh, fortunately for you, this is your week. You absolutely loved the film Deja Vu, except you weren't rooting for Denzel or Val Kilmer, you were rooting for Jim Caviezel. You liked that he was doing that bomb and blowing shit up and being a terrorist. You love Akon's I Wanna Love You, although the caveat to that is you're not playing that dog shit fucking Snoop Dogg version. You're rocking the Plies bootleg with that Plies verse on it because you like that he shot up all them people that had no reason to be shot up at. You like that. You think that's cool. Lastly, you're playing Gary's Mod. You made your own game mode where you just kill a bunch of people and you're just playing it over and over and over again. You're a sick, twisted son of a bitch. But to your credit, you're about to watch some Adult Swim, so I could connect with you on some sort of level. Let's see what you're seeing this week. We open to this bump. Tonight, two plus hours of new, some coming soon, some viewer ramblings, our own ramblings, fix, premieres, and ratings. Please keep your hands inside the ride at all times. Enjoy. So that's the bump to open the night here. We have a recording of the commercials from this night, so link to this in the description for this episode if you would like to check that out yourself. Some cool things there, let's talk about some of them. First up, I couldn't help but notice there were a heck of a lot of Tim and Eric Awesome Show Great Job promos throughout this night, and Tim and Eric Awesome Show Great Job was Tim and Eric's show after Tom Goes to the Mayor, which is ending in 2006, and then they're picking up with Awesome Show Great Job in early 2007, so that show is soon coming. I absolutely love Tim and Eric Awesome Show Great Job, although I did not like it when it was airing, so I'm sure we'll cover one of those episodes eventually on the Patreon, but I did want to shout that out here. It was cool to see some of those promos before the show airs. We also get promos for Saul of the Mole Men, and that show notably has Dana Snyder, Aqua Teen Hunger Force's master, Shake in it. Otherwise, though, I know I caught Saul of the Mole Men on TV when it was airing, but I can't say I remember any of it. I probably didn't even watch a full episode. But the thing that both of these shows have in common 
is that they are both live action shows, or at least primarily live action with assistance from animation and, and CGI and stuff. But yes, they are primarily based in live action. And as you can imagine, a lot of people did not like that at the time. Myself probably included, although years later now, I love a lot of their live action stuff, like all the Tim and Eric stuff most notably. So I kind of turned around on that and hopefully most people did too. Something else that we saw was we saw some Moon Knight billboards that were out to kind of advertise for the upcoming Aqua Teen film, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, colon, movie film for theaters. That film coming out April 10th, 2007, and this being a precursor to the Boston bomb scare uh, with those Moon and Night light brights around, this is kind of a precursor to that because they were advertising for the film and the Boston Moon and Night bomb scare happened in January of 2007. So next month from now is when that goes down. So we see, you know, the seeds of that in place. So kind of interesting to see those uh, billboard bumps on Adult Swim here, now knowing eventually what goes on to happen. Two quick commercials I saw that I thought were worth mentioning was there is a commercial for the Microsoft Zune the Zune being Microsoft's competitor to Apple's iPod, and this actually came out about a month ago in our timeline here. It came out November 2006. I had a friend who had a Zune, and I remember just thinking like, oh, those are like weird, but now that I've learned a little bit more about the Zunes, they actually did seem pretty cool, like they had some cool features that the iPod did not have. Like, I think you could wirelessly like share music with people with the Zune before that was like anything that uh, an iPod could do, but... The Zune did not last long. It became discontinued in 2011 due to poor sales. But a little flash in the pan moment here in technology. Actually, I was looking up iPods the other day. I, I don't remember why, but, but I was. And I was sad to see iPods officially discontinued as of May 10th, 2022. And, you know, no, no surprise why the iPod got discontinued because we all use our phones now. So the last commercial I wanted to shout out is for the Ali G box set. And the reason I'm mentioning that is because Ali G was Sasha Baron Cohen's show, and he also plays Borat, and the Borat character, I think, originated from this box set. So, of course, we had been talking about Borat on the podcast over the last few episodes, so it's interesting here to see that Ali G was being, and Sasha Baron Cohen's other stuff, was being promoted here on American television at the time, and I, I don't remember seeing these commercials, but it's possible that I did. I just don't recall it. So those are some of our commercials. So jumping into our lineup tonight, first up, we have Futurama with Time Keeps on Slippin' at 10 p.m. As usual, not a new episode. This episode of Futurama has, like, the Globetrotters in it, so that's probably where I learned about Globetrotters, maybe from this. And I know we were talking about Globetrotters in a previous uh, deep dive here because they were mentioned in an episode of Aqua Teen. Moving on, at 10.30 p.m., we have Aqua Teen Hunger Force. With this episode, we are discussing today Bart Oates. You can guess that's a new episode, baby. After that, another Aqua Teen with not a new episode, and that episode is The Dressing. It was a hundred years after the tacos were assassinated and I was still... I thought that was a loser. Was a dad or a loser? Oh, is this your story now? Does this happen to you and not to me? Well, listen up, everybody. He's about to tell his amazing story. The one that happened to me and not him. 
This episode having somewhat of a connection to the Bart Oates episode we're discussing today, so keep that in mind there. Moving on at 11 p.m., we have Family Guy with Prick Up Your Ears. As per usual, this being new for Adult Swim, but it aired on Fox a few months previously. Uh, going on from there, we get 11.30 p.m., Assy McGee with The Flirty Black Man, this being the second episode of Assy McGee, which is now airing in place of Robot Chicken right here on the Sunday night lineup. But Robot Chicken fans, fear not, because Robot Chicken is actually showing twice on Saturdays, so the night before, you can get your Robot Chicken fix. 11.45 p.m., we have Metalocalypse with Girlfriend Clock, a new episode. In this episode, we have Laura Silverman as a guest star, and Laura Silverman, the sister of Sarah Silverman, who showed up in the Robo-Sitter episode of Aqua Teen, but Laura Silverman, very accomplished in her own right. She was in a few episodes of Home Movies, but I know her and love her as Laura from Dr. Cat's Professional Therapist. After that, at midnight, we get Squidbillies with Giant Foam Dick Hat Trouble. However, this is not a new episode, which is, uh, you know, breaking the new episode tradition for Squidbillies on these lineups. But uh, next week, it will be a new episode. So it seems like they just had a, no, no new episode this week for whatever reason. 12.15 a.m., we get Moral Oral with Elemental Oral, a new episode... 12.30 a.m. gives us Frisky Dingo with new episode Blind Faith. Then our last new episode of the night at 12.45 a.m. is 12-Ounce Mouse with Pre-Reckoning, although this episode was called Untitled in the promos. It seems like they kind of named this one last minute or something like that. Not entirely sure. But then we have uh, some not new episodes here at the end. 1 a.m. with the Venture Bros, Viva Los Muertos, and 1.30 a.m. We get a show we haven't seen in a while here, The Oblongs with Narcoleptic Scotty. If you're over on the Patreon, that's the episode that my wife Hannah and I talked through. Uh, a, a fun one, a sweet one, a sleep-themed episode to end your night and lull you off to dreamland. Before we leave here, there is an Aqua Teen-themed bump that I would like to read to you. There's been a split in the Aqua Teen fan community. Some love Season 5 and some hate it. We saw us more hate over there in Season 1 and Season 4. We're always looking for hate. This is what your hating gets you. And then from there, I believe it goes into the Bart Oates episode, so that would precede Bart Oates. Real quick, before I address the meat and potatoes of this bump here, I need to explain the season convention, because it's always a headache when talking about Aqua Teen seasons, because conventionally, seasons refer to the year that something was made, right? Well, if you did that with Aqua Teen, for example, season one would only be the first, like, five episodes. And likewise, the 2005 season is just three episodes, with Dirtfoot... Boost Mobile, and Deleted Scenes. So to make things simpler, they combine the 2001 and 2002 season into season one. The 2003 season is considered season two. 2004 season is considered season three. And then the 2005 and six season, which is the one we're discussing now, is considered season four now because it just makes more sense to combine these episodes than to count, for example, again, the 2005 quote, season as three episodes. It's just dumb to, to differentiate that. So really what this bump is saying is that there's a lot of hate 
regarding the newest season, the one we are discussing now. And we've been really going through that on those Toon Zone forum threads where a lot of them are very divisive because Matt and Dave are doing a lot of different things with some of these episodes. And I'm not going to get into that because that's what we've been discussing in these deep dives. But essentially, this bump is saying people are complaining about these new episodes. Well, guess what? Here's another new episode. With that having been said, what do you say we jump in and discuss us some Bart Oats? Let's do it. Check it out. Check it out, y'all. Check it, check it out. Check it out. Did you know when you make unauthorized podcast shirts, you're taking food directly out of podcasters' mouths? All right, nobody's doing that. But look, Dancing is Forbidden is an independent show. I'm one little old person who relies on the Moonmasters over at patreon.com slash dancingisforbidden to support this show so that I can keep doing it. Because believe it or not, I like talking about my favorite show of all time. I think it's pretty dang fun. And you know who else thinks it's pretty dang fun? And I swear to God, I did not plan this this way. This is beautiful the way this has worked out. Signing up back in August, we had New York Nats number one signing on at the duffel bag of cash tier. Let me tell you, New York Nats number one. Uh, in case you don't know, that is a reference to this episode specifically, so I'm just so goddamn giddy to see how this lined up. New York Nats number one has got a great profile picture of Carl with some what look like little fox ears on or something. I don't know. It's beautiful. I love it. I laughed so freaking hard when I saw that they signed up to the Patreon. And believe it or not, New York Nats number one is a lifelong Giants and Aqua Teen fanatic. Thank you for signing on and also signing on back in September of last year. We had Joss... H. And I knew Joss from Twitter. Joss always had some interesting tidbits for me on Twitter. When I still use that website, always some insightful tweets over there. So it means a lot to have Joss not only send in tweets, but send in some support and love to the podcast. Joss, New York Nats number one. This episode's for you both. I'm doing it as hard as I can. Coming up next. Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Bart Oates making its television debut on December 3rd, 2006. This episode airing with a TV 14 rating, which I think is reasonable given the content of these 2006 episodes. Again, we are firmly out of TV PG territory. Going forward, it's all TV 14 and TVM. A couple notes on the title of this episode. So first of all, the title is the football player Bart Oates' name. It's B-A-R-T-O-A-T-E-S. That's how his name is spelled. That is the name of the episode because he shows up as himself in the episode. But if you're watching this on HBO Max or if you're watching this on Adult Swim site, it's actually misspelled. They forget the E in Oates. And my thought was, oh, maybe they intentionally misspelled it. Like, that's something that Matt and Dave would do because that changes the meaning of the word from his last name to just, like, oats, like, you know, oatmeal or something. But when checking the DVDs, it's spelled correctly on the DVDs. So I really think this is a typo. And also, other official places, it is spelled correctly. So it looks like there was some sort of typo in the packaging for Adult Swim's site and for HBO Max. The next thing regarding the title that I want to mention, and this is some uh, Dancing is Forbidden exclusive info here, 
is I figured out the working title for this episode by accident. So I went back on the Wayback Machine to Adult Swim's site. I wanted to see what was kicking around on there this week in 2006. And they had a list of upcoming episodes, and this episode was not listed as Bart Oates. In fact, it was listed as Jumbo. And I know why that is. I'll explain to you why that is later. But an interesting tidbit to see, you know, it's like Grim Reaper Gutters, Munawana, and then Jumbo, and then after that, Antenna, which is our next episode we'll be covering next. So yes, working title on this one was Jumbo, and you might see the title misspelled uh, depending on where you're watching this. So previously, supporter of the show Christian reached out saying, hey, I noticed you didn't cover Bart Oates. Are you going to cover that one or are you skipping it? And the reason Christian asked this is because depending on where you're watching this, Bart Oates might be between Party All the Time and Global Grilling. And the reason for that is the production code. The production code on Bart Oates, even though it is the 10th episode to air this season, it was actually the 7th episode made. So that, again, would put it between Party All the Time and Global Grilling. In fact, on Adult Swim's site, it showed, like... Grim Reaper Gutters, episode 64, Munawana, episode 65. Then it said, again, Jumbo, because that was the working title on this one, was episode 62. So this episode aired out of production order for whatever reason, and I guess they just needed longer to work on this one to finish it up. And that, again, is suggested by the fact that Adult Swim's site showed its working title as opposed to its official title, uh, over there. So if you're watching the show and Bart Oates is like earlier in the season, that is why, because the production order has this episode sooner, but it didn't air until, you know, it was the 10th episode, basically. So to jump into our cast and crew on this episode, first of all, we have our three regulars, Dave Willis, Dana Snyder, Carrie Means, you know, the main characters of the show. They're all here. Joining them, we have Aqua Teen co-creator Matt Malero. Matt does the tree wizard homeless man that we first saw in season two, episode 14, Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary, as well as in season three, episode four's G-Wiz. So he's showing up here. Matt also does the voice of an alarm system that we'll hear towards the end of the episode. Needless to say, on this one, we have Bart Oates playing himself, who is a pivotal part of this episode. We have... Our friend, Aqua Teen editor-producer J. Wade Edwards, playing a member of the band Chicago, and also playing a member of the band Chicago, is William Snyder, F-A-I-A. And I'll tell you more about him when we get to that. Another Dancing is Forbidden exclusive. So on the editing here, on the ones and twos, we have Ned Hastings editing this one with editing assistance from Lear Bunda. So that's all the background information on this one. Let's jump in and see what we got. We open in, it's nighttime, and we see Frylock taking some well-deserved beauty sleep here, snoozing the night away until he is disturbed by a phone call and, and their phone conveniently placed for the plotline's sake uh, right on his nightstand here, which normally it's not there, normally it's in the living room, but whatever. The phone is next to his bed. He picks it up. Who is it? It's none other than Master Shake and Meatwad. They done messed up. They got in trouble. They're calling from jail. Hey, hello? 
Hello. 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 I'm here. Oh, okay. Hello. How's it going? You know what time it is? Because it's it's four twenty somewhere. Hello. Are you drunk? Mm-hmm. Give me that phone. Look, before I start speaking, don't even think about getting angry. Because if you do, I swear that I'll hang up on you. Jake, what is it? What's wrong? Okay, you're jumping in already. Okay. We, we got into a little bit of trouble. Tell him nothing's wrong. But let me preface by saying... We were framed. What? We were just the guys that happened to be we there. We were framed. It was a total setup. All right, what was a setup? Wow. Now, why would I talk to someone who speaks to me in that tone? You just tell me what it is you did wrong. Oh, what? You think you did everything right? Okay, I see what's happening here. You got another DUI, didn't you? Hang up on his ass. I'm going to have a bus down there, okay? I'm going to have to take the bus from now on permanently, according to what some guy told me. And I ain't riding that cheese box. It's a major deterrent for the women. Women will not kiss you on the bus. Okay, look. It's going to take me a while. Hang up on him. Hang up on him. So Master Shake does exactly that. He hangs up on Frylock, who's in the process of trying to help them get out of jail. And I absolutely love this logic here. So we learn that Meatwad and Shake, they're drunk. Uh, Seemingly Shake was driving under the influence. Now, we never see Shake driving in the show, at least up until this point. Uh, Although, I do think of Season 2, Episode 12's Total Recarl when we see him driving some sort of uh, machinery. But regardless, we never see him drive a car, but we hear references to it, for example, in Season 2, Episode 17's Kidney Car, when he he stole Carl's car and banged it up. We didn't see him driving it, but we knew he did. And it's the same thing here. He was driving around drunk. They got arrested. They're in jail. Master Shake saying how he doesn't want to ride the bus because that will uh, that will deter women. They won't want to kiss you when you're on the bus. It's interesting that that's where his mind goes, considering a woman has never kissed him, even when he hasn't ridden the bus. But we could see where his priorities are nonetheless. And I'm pretty sure I've heard some stories about things that go down on buses that kind of disprove what Shake is saying here. To the visuals, the jail, the walls are painted green. It's like two tones of a darker green on the bottom, a lighter green on the top. This, this is a painted brick wall. Shake and Meatwater here on a payphone. We don't see a police officer standing by them. They're just kind of there making their call. We then get a wide shot where we see a prison cell with a bunch of people in it. And we see what looks like a middle-aged woman getting stabbed to death in the stomach. That's just kind of going on. Also, visually, we have a bunch of toilet paper rolls being thrown around, and they're lit on fire. That fire, I don't even have to tell you that it is our classic Space Ghost Coast to Coast Hanson Flame. Something I found interesting was that when we see, like, Shake and Meatwad on this payphone, there's no graffiti on the wall by the payphone, which certainly does make sense and is a possibility, but I was like... Wow, Bob Pettit didn't add anything to that? That seems a little bit unlike him. And sure enough, I reached out to Bob, and he sent over his original version of this background, which was littered with graffiti all over the wall. Keep an eye out on Bob's social medias, his Instagram and his Twitter. Both of those are at Pettit underscore art. Link to both of those in the description. I think Bob is going to be uploading this. Um, but to describe some of it to you, because there's all sorts of graffiti here, somebody wrote, fuck you, bitch, and then crossed out 
the top fuck is crossed out and then it's somebody wrote over it no fuck you and then somebody also wrote fuck you both like pointed to both of those like just so juvenile and also i'm not surprised that this wasn't allowed to be in the final episode because this is airing on cartoon network after all I see it says fucking pigs. Somebody wrote that. There's a lot of phone numbers on here. And somebody wrote meth rocks. Bob saying that he liked to add puns whenever he could to the graffiti, which is hilarious. And then another thing that Bob intended to have on this background was a crudely drawn gun. And then underneath it, it says pay up, Neil. And Bob explains to me that this is based on a t-shirt that a musician buddy of his war on stage one night. So you can't see these in the episode proper. Again, keep an eye on Bob's social medias. He might be uploading these. But you can see some of them in the final original Aqua Teen episode, season 11, episode 9's The Greatest Story Ever Told. When Meatwad's visiting Frylock in prison, we see some of the exact graffiti that was supposed to be in this scene. So, some fun history there. Let's dive back into our episode now. Master Shake hung up on Frylock, <laughs> even though he was trying to help them get out of jail. So now it's morning time. We're outside the Aqua Teen's house, and Carl is standing right there. Carl's going to be holding up a post-it note that says, Thanks for car. Heart m.s so that is kind of explaining the car that master shake got caught drunk driving in it was carl's car i mean you could expect that and you would hope that's what the case really is as an aqua teen fan so carl's there he's angry that his car got stolen but he's also there for another purpose because carl he's got some very incredibly cheaply made bootlegs for the new york giants except them damn immigrants they messed up it says Nats. Hey, Fryman, I got this post-it note that was left on the curb for me. Thanks for car. MS. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it'll be back. You think? Oh, that'd be so thoughtful. Hey, uh, you, 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 uh, you like football, right? You're a big football man. No, actually, I don't <laughs> like sports in general. But, I mean, you like jerseys, right? Because uh... I got some Giants wear. Super cheap, too. Active wear. It's for the total ultimate fan. Check it out. Oh, I really don't. Bad. <laughs> don't worry about this rip. I just uh, accidentally ripped it pulling it out of the box. Are the Nats a team? No. Nats. What the freak? Supposed to be the Giants. I freaking told them immigrants. No wonder. They cut me a deal. What a deal. They probably don't even have Giants in their country. They're so freaking tiny. Look at this crap. Half of them dissolved in the box. Well, you know what they say. You get what you pay for. I tell you what. How about I take 20% off? How about no? Oh, come on, man. I've seen you flying around so fast. People won't even notice. <laughs> right? High five, football fan. I really don't like sports, Carl. Oh, yeah? Well, you're a f- <laughs> Well, I assume that is Carl dropping the uh, F-bomb, and I'm not talking about fuck. I th- I'm talking about the other one. I think that's what he was supposed to say, which was edited out. So these shirts are very fun. You heard Carl say, oops, I accidentally ripped it pulling it out of the box. There's like a a chunk of the shirt missing on the side because these shirts are so incredibly cheap. And the big issue here being that it says Nats instead of Giants on it. Uh, The number on these shirts is 76. Looking it up in 2006 when the episode came out, player Chris Snee was number 76 on the Giants. 
Chris spent his entire 10-year career as a player in the NFL on the Giants from 2004 until 2013. Now, I did some Googling to see if there was some previous famous player who was number 76, and I assume they would retire numbers if that was the case. So I don't know what else this is referencing. I actually just reached out to Bob asking about the significance of this number. So if he gets back to me, I'll either say it later in the episode or I'll just throw a correction on the end. So Carl trying to sell these shirts to Frylock in true Aqua Teen fashion. When we get the establishing shot of Carl standing in the driveway, there's nothing else in the driveway with him. But as soon as he mentions these shirts, we see a pile of boxes just miraculously appear once the camera pulls back out, which is very funny. And despite that error, we do have some continuity here within Aqua Teen, and that is the fact that Frylock is not a sports fan. I actually recently just rewatched the Super Bowl episode of Aqua Teen, which is season two, episode three. And in that one, if you'll recall, Meatwad, he's trying to pit everyone against each other to buy him things so that he'll take them to the Super Bowl. Frylock there says that he's not really a sports fan. He doesn't really care about going to the Super Bowl. And that is the same case here. So I like that continuity with Frylock. Actually, the reason I was re-watching Super Bowl, this is a bit of a, uh, a tangent here, but I went over with my wife to hang out with some of our friends, and they hadn't seen the episode of Aqua Teen that I was in yet. So we watched that episode, and our friend Carissa, she grew up watching Aqua Teen, so she was familiar with it. She even had an Aqua Teen shirt growing up, so she was the real deal. But her husband, Johan, he had never seen Aqua Teen before, so I went on to show him some more episodes, one of them being Super Bowl, and he loved it. He was cracking up. I think we have a new Aqua Teen fan on our hands. And that actually does tie into a joke later in this episode. So moving on here, Carl, no dice, trying to sell these bootleg shirts to Frylock. From there, we're going to cut back to the prison scene here. So this is kind of cool. We almost have like a B-plot in this episode of Master Shake and Meatwad in prison. This episode already doing a lot, something that we haven't gotten from an Aqua Teen episode, it feels like in a little while. Most Aqua Teen episodes don't have a B story because that's kind of reserved for 22-minute shows or longer shows. Aqua Teen is so short, there's usually no time. But this episode, like I said at the beginning, there's really cool story elements and we do have an A plot with Carl and then a B plot here with Master Shake and Meatwad. We'll see Meatwad and Shake, they are in the jail cell now, and they're talking to somebody. It's a familiar face. It's the tree wizard, played by Matt Malero. Look, it's the third house on the right. Just, feel free to crash there. <laughs> Drop me a poop. Yeah! <laughs> There's a big computer in there. You like the internet? Use all you want. Oh, very important. Security code. We ain't got no. So just go right in. <laughs> My pants stuck to my butt. Where's Frylock getting here? I don't know, but I'm pissed about it. <laughs> so this is Shake and Meatwad trying to get the tree wizard to, like, come over, which, again, is reminiscent of Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary when they're trying to, like, sell him or, or rent him a room or sell the house or whatever the plot line is there. So this is kind of similar to that. I like that they just want this guy in their house, <laughs> even though he's clearly, uh, he's got some stuff going on. Worth mentioning is that he does say something about how he wants to drop a poop. And in my emails with Bob Pettit, he sent me a picture of like the jail cell 
and there is a toilet that is overflowing that didn't make it into the episode. Now, I don't know if this ends up in a future episode, but this drawing is disgusting. It makes me want to fucking throw up looking at it. But I don't know if that was done kind of in reference to this line, like there was, or just in general, it's just gross to have this overflowing toilet in a prison or a, or a jail cell. But we also get a pulled back shot where we see a bunch of other characters in the scene. They're all just kind of like hanging out at the edges of the cell, which is convenient for framing purposes. <laughs> all of these other characters in the cell, I do not recognize. Like, I don't think we've seen them in previous episodes it's possible these are colon movie film for theater assets, but I'm not completely sure. From there, we're going to jump to Carl's room now, where Carl is sleeping, and we're really going to start to get into our A-plot, because as Carl is sleeping, somebody is going to appear in his room, and no, it's not Cybernetic Ghost, and that's exactly how that episode starts back in season one. No, it's a different ghost. It's Bart Oates, the football player. Get up, Carl. What? What? what, what? You're, you're Bart Oates, the center for the Super Bowl Giants, 87 <laughs> and 91. The G-Man, yeah! Take the TV. Take whatever you need to get by. What are you talking about? I don't need your money, Carl. Let me tell you. January 27th, 1991. Best friggin' day of my life. <laughs> Norwood missing wide, friggin' tuna coaching on the sideline. You like uh, hiking the ball. You know, did you come here to kill me? No, Carl. <laughs> oh, that's so great. The Nats? W what is this, Carl? Well, that? It's, uh, it, uh, it's just a... It's a tribute <laughs> to your majesty. Carl, by doing this, you're taking food out of NFL players' mouths. I'm so sorry, Bob. But dude, I followed your whole Pro Bowl season in 90. You had a sack prevented index? It's like 0.9. It's ridiculous. Your blocking ratio is 4 to 1. You were playing out of your mind that season. And then 1994, you friggin' side with the Niners. <laughs> you broke my friggin' heart, Bart. You pancaked it. You broke my friggin' heart, Bart. <laughs> I don't know that we've ever seen Carl this emotional. He's like on this emotional roller coaster of excited and then he's upset and he's just all over the place. A great performance here by Dave. Voicing the character of Bart Oates is the real Bart Oates, which you can conclude he is in fact not dead. So it doesn't make sense that he's a ghost here when he's very much still alive as of 2024. He's still doing lots of stuff. So to talk about Bart a little bit, he did, he won three Super Bowls, two with the Giants, like Carl said, in 87 and 1991, and then he left the Giants for the 49ers, and he also won a Super Bowl with them in 1995. So Bart's career spanned about 11 years, and these days he serves as a bishop of the Morristown First Ward of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And also, while during the off-seasons of playing football, he studied and graduated with a law degree. So he also works as a lawyer, I believe, these days. So I think Bart Oates, maybe he should be visiting uh, Meatwad and, and Shake in jail and trying to get them out. Not visiting Carl here, but that's all right. Visually, to Bart's character, they drew him just to look like him, except Bart's number was 65 in the NFL, but in the episode, his, his jersey says 6.5, which is a fun little joke there. And the way that they have him, like, as a ghost is actually very, very smart. 
for a show like Aqua Teen, which of course is done very cheaply, very quickly, because he really doesn't move much in the episode. And because he's a ghost, he floats. They don't have to have a walk cycle for him. He kind of just floats there throughout the episode. So it's a very smart thing that they did that. Not only does it serve the plot of him being a ghost, but again, they really cut down on having to do all these animations of his model for the episode. Bart shows up and he tells Carl what he's doing is wrong. He shouldn't be bootlegging these shirts because he's taking food out of NFL players' mouths, which the NFL makes a lot of money. I I would guess most of its money off of merchandising. And I should say that's the exact opposite of the Aqua Teen guys because anytime they've seen any of the bootleg merch that I've made, uh, they've been very excited by it. However, I should say that I haven't really sold anything, so (laughs) I'm not exactly taking food out of anybody's mouth. Although I really question if they get any sales from merchandise anyways. So we see our plot start to unfurl here. Carl, he's got a ghost and it's not the ghost of Christmas past from the future. It is the ghost of NFL copyright laws. We're still in our same scene here and we're going to get a flashback to a younger Carl about 12 years previous in 1994 or maybe 93 when it was announced that Bart would be playing with the 49ers. So we cut to Carl and he's in his house, he's in his living room, and the only real difference with him is he has on like he has long hair in this shot 12 years previous. However, the interesting thing is is that we've seen this hair before It is from season two, episode 20's The Clowning. It is the wig that Carl wore at the very beginning of that episode, the brown long hair. He's got that. He's going to rip up a poster. He's so heartbroken. I was there when you destroyed my poster, and you said, I hope he gets injured. (laughs) Enjoy San Francisco, pansy. I hope you tear your ACL, (laughs) Jackass. I said that. Three years later, I had knee surgery, and I had to retire, Carl. (laughs) So I I made you have, like, knee surgery by, by saying that? In a way, yes, you did. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, I'm sorry in retrospect, but that's so awesome I was able to do that. I hate the Niners. <laughs> Carl, he's taking joy that he spoke that into existence, seemingly, which is the exact opposite of Maya Angelou. Now, I know the Venn diagram of Aqua Teen Hunger Force superfans and poetry superfans is basically a circle, but in case you're one on the very outskirts of that uh, circular Venn diagram, Maya Angelou was sexually abused and raped by her mother's boyfriend when she was eight, and she told her brother about it, who told the rest of the family, and the guy was found guilty of it, but he was only jailed for one day, so... Her family took matters into their own hands and killed the guy who abused her. And because she spoke that into existence, she went mute for five years because she was like, oh my God, my words can kill people. And so she completely stopped talking. And that's the opposite of Carl here because he's like, awesome, my fucking... (laughs) I I made you tear your ACL and have to fucking quit the NFL. That's incredible. So yet another piece of evidence for the differences between Maya Angelou and Carl. To address what happened in that scene, though, I'm not seeing anything about an ACL injury on Bart Oates. I'm not seeing that that led him to retire any sort of injury like that. I think this is just for the sake of the episode, because I'm looking at documentation from 1996, and it looks like, so Oates, I guess, joined back with the Giants 
who he played most of his career with after playing a few seasons with the 49ers. And then he quit as a giant, but it looks like he quit at 37 years old just to go pursue a law career. I'm not seeing anything about any sort of surgery or anything like that. So I could be wrong. I'm definitely not your go-to information on sports, but like looking up Bart Oates and ACL, all I'm finding is references to this Aqua Teen episode. So I'm not completely sure. It's funny to me to see how angry Carl was over Bart joining the 49ers, but I guess that's sports for you. I don't really get it, but uh, that's what some people like to do. They like to get mad that millionaires are playing for different corporations. That's what Carl's invested in. It's a good thing, though, because even though Carl was so angry in that clip, he seemingly is okay with Bart now. Like, when Bart first showed up, he's like, take my TV, take anything you need to get by. Like, he still has a respect for this guy. He was only so angry that he went to the 49ers because he loved him so much on his beloved team, the Giants. So, our last clip of this scene, Bart, he's kind of going to reveal also why he's here. It's not just to guilt Carl about his uh, bootlegging operation here. He wants Carl to be a better person. So Carl, I want you to do something for me. You want some Nats t-shirts for your family? <laughs> I'll cut you a deal. We'll go 40% off on hey, those. Hey, Carl, do you want to be a winner? You got to lay off the salty foods. Don't drink so much. Try some exercise. Maybe go out with a woman you didn't have to pay. You know, sex isn't everything. <laughs> Neither is the band Boston. If you want to be a champ, you got to pay the price, man. You got to go all the way. Listen to what I'm telling you, Carl. Listen to what I'm telling you. Wait, Bart Oates, wait. I got so many more stats I want to throw at you. He's gone. <laughs> so you heard there Bart mysteriously just like vanishing. But before he does that, he does grab a box of the bootleg shirts, even though there's a few other boxes in Carl's room. So speaking of Carl's room, I feel like we have not seen it that much this season. And when reaching out to Bob, I asked him about Carl's room and, and the creation of Carl's room. So let me read you what Bob had to say. Bob says, Regarding Carl's room, those landscape-themed wallpaper murals had been big decor in the late 80s amongst some in the middle class. And gold-tone metal-trimmed furniture was like the cheap stuff I'd see at flea markets. So cheap and cheesy, it makes one uncomfortable to gaze upon it. The paper towels and lotion, well, girlfriends were few and far between for Carl. And we've all had that pitcher, etc., filled with coins. There's a pink banana hammock hanging out of the dresser drawer, and a similar black one on the floor. All of this, the tanning bed and the animalistic poster, pretty much captures him. Dave suggested the animalistic and the Mike Piazza poster... I thought this is something Carl might have gotten signed by his fave star at a porn convention. Candy, something, I can't make it out. So there's a little bit by Bob Pettit on working on Carl's bedroom here. I told Bob how much I really love Carl's bedroom. The the imagery, especially like his mural of like the uh, the palm trees, just really stands out to me and brings me back to my childhood when I see it. I feel like Carl's room is really just a super iconic image. Uh, of course, I'm biased in saying that, but the image within Aqua Teen definitely has its own unique vibe. It's a good contrast, particularly to the Aqua Teen's house, which is all wood paneling. And a lot of the backgrounds in Aqua Teen, at least up until this point, are kind of more muted tones. So Carl's very vibrant and colorful room is pretty nice. So a lot of love here for Carl's bedroom, even if the stuff throughout it is kind of gross. 
Intentionally so. Bob mentioned the sports poster in Carl's room. I do want to mention that in a previous clip when Carl was talking to Bart Oates, he mentions Tuna, who was the coach for the Giants, and we and we see a Tuna poster in Carl's living room. That's the, you know, we see it from time to time. That's what that is in reference to. To the end of that clip, though, I like when Bart's disappearing, and then Carl's like, wait, I have so many other stats to throw at you. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sure that's what Bart wants to do is sit around there and listen to those stats. That's like me with Matt and Dave. I'm like, wait, I have so many other trivia things to tell you about. So that's our A story for now. Let's jump over to our B plot. We're back in the jail cell with Meatwad and Master Shake. And Shake here is smoking a cigarette, which uh, I guess contributes to that TV 14 rating. And I should say, when they're in the jail cell, it's very smoky, and that explains why. I didn't really put two and two together before. I was like, why is it so smoky in there? But I guess it's because people are just smoking. And again, all the other characters in the jail cell are kind of out of frame most of the time. We do pull back and see them all. They will reference one of the guys who will shake his head yes. But otherwise, we're kind of zoomed in on Shake and Meatwad here. I'm so hungover. Did you see me pounding those daiquiris at the bar last night? I was a maniac. What was I thinking? You pounded one. Well, I pound what I can afford. My man over here, he wants a daiquiri now. He says I got to smuggle one back in up my butthole. Fresh or the mix? Fresh. Oh, God. That would be so cold. <laughs> so when Meatwad says that, we see one of the guys there. He's all tatted up. He's got no shirt on. He just kind of nods. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I, I want him to do that. I'm absolutely delighted by the pacing of this episode. And when Aqua Teen does this A plot, B plot thing, it works so well for this show because literally to cut up scenes of what's going on with Carl... They just jump into whatever Meatwad and Shake are up to. They just tell a quick joke, and then they cut back to Carl. And I think this works so well. The pacing feels so great to watch and also to talk about for this podcast. Like, nothing feels like it's dragging because they do what they need to do, and then they can just cut to just some inconsequential thing. Like with Meatwad and Shake here. Like, it's just, look, have them tell a joke about this daiquiri situation, and then cut back to Carl. And it's just, I don't know, it's so nice and uh, we'll see if they do this more going forward. It's certainly not, not the first time that they've done this, but it's definitely not the norm for Aqua Teen. I want to talk about the background here. First of all, it's disgusting inside this jail cell. Like, it's just really gross. There's stains, and you can guess what those stains probably are all over the walls and on, on the floor. We see some graffiti in the jail cell now. I mentioned there was none in the finished episode, um, out by the, the t- payphones, the telephones. But in the jail cell, there is, and it's actually quite surprising. So when I was reading it, because of course this is a standard definition show, so you can't get a real crisp look on these small background details. And also the jail cell is so smoky, it's hard to make out. I assumed that this scribbling said, I love Virginia, but a part of me was thinking... Does that say vagina? Is that what it says on the wall? I'm like, no way does it say that. I reached out to Bob, and I felt like such a fucking dirty boy asking. I'm like, I assume this says I love Virginia, but then I also said, a part of me thought it said vagina. And sure enough, Bob says, yep, it's vagina. (laughs) Bob says, originally I had bars partially cover it, but I never knew how Dave and Matt and the editors might frame a scene as it went through revisions. 
it was a fluid creative endeavor. So originally, Bob had this kind of covered up by bars, so you couldn't completely make it out. But they don't use those in the final episode. So you can see it says, I love vagina, but it's written in a very like chicken scratchy kind of way to where it kind of does look like Virginia. So super surprising that that made it past like standards and practices, but it did. There's also some other writing on the wall that says bite me, but uh, that's not as exciting to talk about. It's not nearly as titillating, that's for sure. But you know what is titillating? Our next scene here, because we're going to cut to Carl's backyard. He's in the pool, a rare sight of Carl in his swimming pool. This does not happen often. He's shirtless in the pool. He's doing laps, but they don't actually have him swimming. He's just like doing his normal Carl walk. You know, his hands are on his hips and he's just kind of wading through the pool. He's exercising. One. All right. Take a break. <laughs> Whoa. You just burned a third of a gram of fat, man. That's good, right? Yeah, that's good. Not good enough. You need to do more laps. And try not touching the bottom of the pool so much. How did you know? Carl, <laughs> I know everything. Yeah, so Carl's working out. Bart Oates is assisting him here. Funny joke of Carl doing one lap, I guess. Again, he's just standing there. He's not actually swimming. And then he pops open a beer, as you could hear. This beer being a Red Spud beer can. And we first saw a sign for Red Spud back in Season 2, Episode 10's Super Trivia. But I think this is the first time we are seeing an actual Red Spud can. And I've spoken about Red Spud beer back in Season 4, Episode 1's Dirt Foot on the podcast. So I'm not going to get into it here. Bob told us about it over on that episode. So I'm not going to harp on it here other than the fact that I think this is the first time we see a proper Red Spud beer can, and that will kind of continue going forward with the show. So I'm glad that I rewatched Get Lit Upon a Sit Upon, which is Season 12, Episode 4, recently, because there is a very similar joke in that episode to this joke here, where in Get Lit Upon a Sit Upon, uh, Frylock, he gets an exercise bike, and then Shake is jealous, so he gets a treadmill, and in the episode, Shake goes on the treadmill for like a second or whatever. He's not on there for long at all. And then after working out for hardly any time, he plops down in the green chair to eat some ice cream because he has to, you know, rebuild his, uh, he has to get some protein in. And that's a similar joke here to Carl, you know, doing one lap in the pool and then instantly cracking open a beer can. So some fun uh, joke structures used in both episodes decades apart. Something worth mentioning to this background is that occasionally, I feel like this season, we've been seeing a background of Carl's backyard where on the Aqua Teen's house, it says get out or something like that written on the side of their house. But we don't see that here. We saw it in Global Grilling this season, but then yeah, it's not here now. So I don't really understand what the differences between those backgrounds are and why they would use one background over another uh, one of them having that get out written and the other not. In this case, it doesn't say that. And most of the time, we see the one that does not say get out. So something I'll have to keep my eye out for going forward. But back to our scene. Carl, he's trying to exercise. He's not doing a very good job, but at least he's trying. Frylock, he's going to come up with a peace offering. Hey, Carl. What's up? Oh, crap. Hide. Hide? From what? From, uh... Just play it off as a joke. From, uh, you know... Black people been running around here. 
That's not really a joke, Carl. <laughs> Come on, man, I'm trying. Okay, Carl, look, I felt really bad about your car, so I brought you some fresh parsley and oregano for my herb garden. Oh, great. Weeds. <laughs> this will help me get to the strip club. <laughs> so, uh, Carl, he is not thrilled by this offering of parsley and oregano. Uh, pretty, pretty nice of Frylock, I guess, but... I can't imagine Carl does a whole lot of cooking where he actually needs herbs for for that, so uh, maybe not the most useful thing. I enjoy Carl's shitty attempt at covering why he said, oh crap, when Frylock came up, and I love Bart pointing out, like, that's that's not really a joke, Carl. (laughs) We're establishing here that Frylock can't see or hear Bart Oates, who, again, is a ghost in the episode, but he's very much still alive, so a very funny, absurd kind of take on things. This episode kind of playing with the trope of being visited by a ghost, similar to It's a Wonderful Life in 1946, or the A Christmas Carol novella from 1843, where, like, a ghost shows up and, like, kind of betters your life and shows you how things should be. I love that they're playing with this trope here, and that's something they do a lot this season is play with tropes, but this one is done very well. It's not so in-your-face that, oh, we're playing with a trope. Like, it feels very much like a natural Aqua Teen episode, so much so that I wouldn't even classify it as something like Boost Mobile, which is like, oh, this is us selling out. That's our trope this episode. Or Grim Reaper Gutter's like, oh, this is our flashback trope episode. Like, this episode still feels very natural, where you might not even recognize what they're playing around with. And in fact, I don't even know if they were consciously trying to reference these other things and if they were just genuinely using this trope. We're still in the same scene, and Carl's going to inquire about his car. He's going to get some bad news about it, and he's going to freak the fuck out. He's going to grab Frylock and then push him down into the pool trying to drown Frylock over this who had nothing to do with his car disappearing, but luckily, thank God for Bart Oates stepping in and saving Frylock's life here. Where's my freaking car? Well, it's kind of been impounded. What? You tell me right now, Frylock, where my freaking car is. I'm gonna rip that paper box out of yours in half. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy, Carl. You don't want a penalty for roughing the neighbor. And that's 15 yards, that hurts the team. Whoa, whoa, hey, hey Carl. Hey, it's okay, it's okay. I'm not mad. Okay. So, uh, where's my effing car, please, sir? (laughs) Carl's trying to walk it back. I'm enjoying all the football lingo we get throughout this episode. Now, certainly, I don't know what all of it means, but I can identify that it is, in fact, hunky football speak. And I love that uh, Bart Oates is is doing this and saying this stuff to try to communicate certain things with Carl and put it into the perspective of football. And Carl kind of did the same uh, previously in the episode. So, at the beginning of this deep dive section here, I told you that this episode was initially, the working title on it, was Jumbo. And let me explain why. So, this is in an email with Dave Willis, and I asked him kind of how this episode came together, because it's very specifically written about Bart Oates. So, I was wondering what the process of, of getting him was like, what it was like working with Bart, And Dave had this to say about how this episode came together. Initially, I was thinking Lawrence Taylor. This is Ronnie cutting in to let you know that Lawrence Taylor, he played for the Giants and is considered one of the greatest defensive players of all time. So back to Dave's email. Dave says, Then I had a conversation with friend and WFMU Best Show host Tom Sharpling, who is a Jersey guy. Ronnie cutting in to let you know that Tom Sharpling, of course, was Willie Nelson. No, not that Willie Nelson in Season 2, Episode 15's The Shaving. 
Dave said, he said it would be funnier if we had some lower level meathead guy like Jumbo Elliot, who apparently still owned a few Dunkin' Donut franchises in Jersey. But for whatever reason, we couldn't make that happen. Bart Oates had a funny name, and he was on a couple of those giant Super Bowl teams. On top of that, he picked up the phone when we called, and he was nice. That always counts for something. So we tailored the script to him. I asked Dave if Bart was familiar with Aqua Teen beforehand, and Dave said, And no, of course he had no clue about our show. But as of last year, he has gone back and forth with at the Real Carl 2 account on Twitter. And I know he did some podcast somewhere talking about it. This is Ronnie now. The at Real Carl 2 account on Twitter is run by Dave. He pretends like he's Carl when he's posting on it. So Bart, he wasn't familiar with Aqua Teen, but he was very nice. He seemed to be great to work with. And he doesn't seem to have forgotten that he did this show, which I think is very cool. But if I could jump over to Bob's email really quickly, Bob had something similar to say. Because remember, Bob, he was an artist on the show, but he would get the full scripts. And Bob said, by the way, the original title of this episode was Jumbo Elliot, who was another Giants lineman. Jumbo and his agents must have said, fuck off, lol. Bart Oates did appear in the original script also, but it ended up being only Bart. So Bob makes it sound like at some point both of the guys were supposed to be in it. I'm not entirely sure there. But that is why the working title on this one and the title on Adult Swim's site before it aired was Jumbo, because originally the episode seemingly was going to be about Jumbo Elliot, but when they couldn't make that work with him, it was just about Bart Oates, hence the episode being Bart Oates. Which I think is great, because I'll say now, I'll say it up front, I don't give a shit, that Bart does great. I think he's doing a really good job. He's not a voice actor, he's not an actor, he's a fucking, he's an NFL player and a lawyer. (laughs) Like, that's what he does, and I don't know, sounds good to me. And it's not a small part in the episode. It's not like he shows up for one line. Like, he's one of the main characters throughout it. So, great job, Bart. But okay, let's jump into our next clip here. And it's kind of interesting. They're going to really cut ahead because our last clip was Carl drowning Frylock because he wanted his car back. But in our next clip now, he has the car, which I'm totally cool with. I like when Aqua Teen just, like, jumps to the next plot point. And Carl is outside of the prison, so we're outside here. Bob did a great job on this background. It's a grimy old state prison here. Carl's there with Two Wicked, Master Shake, and Meatwad. They've been bailed out, so Carl did them that solid. But he's not going to give them a lift home. Carl! Well, 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 look who's off to the slammer. (laughs) Bailed you out, dumbass. (laughs) Oh, Well, good, I'm driving. Let's go. I'm driving. No, you have no control of your bladder. (laughs) Hey, Carl, what are you doing? You gotta go back. That's not right. Well, trying my patience, Bardo. What do you want from me? I absolutely love Shake and Meatwad in this episode, and I think it's because we see so little of them that they can just be firing on all cylinders every time we see them. Again, like I said, because it's kind of a B-plot, we just cut to them to get some jokes, and that's it. And I'm happy to get some jokes from Master Shake and Meatwad. I just love their use in this episode. You hear Carl drive away. This is significant. This is the first time in the show that we see Carl driving too wicked. You know, the show's been on the air for 
like five years at this point, and finally we see Carl drive his car. And now it's not the first time we've seen Too Wicked driven. For example, I know in season one, episode 11's Bad Replicant, Major Shake drives it away towards the end of that episode. So it's not the first time that we've seen the car driven, but it's the first time that we're seeing Carl drive his car. I was a bit confused initially why Carl would bail out Shake and Meatwad, but I assume, it's not said in the episode, but I assume that it was because of Bart Oates. You would think that Bart told Carl to bail them out because it's the right thing to do, even though, like, I kind of side with Carl. Like, I don't think he should have, have bailed them out. Like, they stole his car, and it's not even the first time they've done it. Like, I wouldn't blame him for letting them sit in jail, but uh, Bart Oates, I guess, is a better person than I am. So in our next clip now, Carl, he didn't give the guys a ride home. He was driving to the cemetery here on yet another one of Bart's missions. Carl, he's apologizing to a gravestone. Look, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that you tried to walk in front of me when I clearly had the right of way. Hey, Carl. <laughs> you know, that's not really the spirit of this. All right, all right, all right. Look, reset. I am very glad that the forensics could not match the paint on your face <laughs> to the paint on my fender. <laughs> but I am sorry that you had to pay the ultimate price for not looking both ways. I did not wave you on. I was flipping you off. Carl. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm sorry you're dead. You're in the red zone now, buddy. You got to close the deal. Well, me answering questions to a bunch of cops, we're never going to bring you back. Be a champ. Go all the way. Okay, I'm sorry I hit you, all right? That's as sorry as I'm ever going to be. You were old. I could tell. More of that football lingo here that Bart's throwing at Carl, but uh, it seems to be working. Carl, he's making amends the best he can. I don't think he's doing a great job at it, but it's better than nothing. And surprising here to learn that Carl has killed somebody with his car, but... I guess also not that surprising, right? Not a whole lot to say about that background. Bob did a great job. I mean, it looks great, but it's just a nondescript cemetery location. I couldn't spot any jokes in the frame or anything like that. But we've gotten a lot of new backgrounds in this episode, which I think kind of explains the previous episode, Munawana, a bit, and that that episode only had one new background, which was only seen at the end, and I think that was probably because of the cost of this episode, perhaps, or just like they didn't have money left over in the budget for more backgrounds that episode or something like that. Because to me, it's kind of stark to go from an episode that didn't have that many backgrounds to this one where we're getting like a lot and some of them we only see for a little bit. So backgrounds galore in this episode. And uh, speak of the devil, we're about to get a new background. Carl, he's going to be visiting the band Chicago in their, I guess, green room, uh, some sort of dressing room of sorts, where he's making yet another apology because the Giants, they're not the only brand that he has made bootleg merchandise of. Okay, guys, look, I'm sorry that I made an ass load of money selling <laughs> these in the parking lot of your show. They ain't supposed to say Chicano. It was them dumbass immigrants I had working for me. Anyways, I want you to have this. 20% off on this. Hey, Carl, you're off sides, buddy. All right, look, here's the money I made on it. $40 and change? Damn it. You know everything. All right, look, I'll, um, I'll make out a check to, uh, how about I make it out to Chicago? All right, friggin' cash. Fine! Who was that? I don't know, but check it out. $43 and change. 
All right. <laughs> so that is actually the band Chicago. No, I'm just kidding. On voice duties there, the first voice that we heard was our friend, Mr. J. Wade Edwards, longtime Aqua Teen editor and producer. Who was that? And Jay, he was our first long-form interview on the podcast, and I know a bit about Jay's music tastes. And I gotta say, Jay, he likes a lot of cool stuff. He likes a lot of garage rock, a lot of bands that are so cool, you probably never even heard of them. And when I saw him playing this Chicago character, I was like... Jay's too cool for Chicago. I don't think he would actually be in Chicago. So I reached out to Jay to get his thoughts on the band Chicago. Because again, I'm like, I don't see this. I don't see him wanting to be in that band. Jay says, oh, good Lord. Yeah, I hate Chicago, the band. Great city. I played a member of the band because dot, dot, dot. I was in the building. (laughs) So that's what Jay had to say. He's He's not a fan of their music, but he was in the building. They needed a voice for this episode. And that's how it works in Aqua Teen sometimes. So let's move on to our second voice in that clip, because this one took some digging. $43 and change. All right. The only other voice on this episode is for William Snyder, F-A-I-A. I went to William's IMDb page, and all I saw there was this credit on this episode. Like, all right, that's interesting. But what was also interesting was the F-A-I-A after his name in the credits. I'm like, what does that mean? I don't know what that is. It, I doubt it's his last name. So I looked it up. F-A-I-A as a title stands for Fellow of the American Institute of Architects. So I'm like, okay, William here is an architect. I looked him up and I found his LinkedIn where it said that he is in Nevada. And then the old cogs start turning in the brain because, I mean, this seems a little obvious in retrospect. What's his last name? Snyder. I remembered a podcast with Aqua Teen voice actor Dana Snyder, voice of Master Shake, saying that when he was a kid, his family moved to Nevada because his dad was an architect and there was a hell of a lot of building going on in Las Vegas. That was Dana Snyder's dad. $43 and change. All right. A little hard to believe because he sounds nothing like Dana, but that is certainly the case. And I found some articles about William and it mentions his son, Dana, who is an actor. So yeah, that's Dana Snyder's pops. Case closed, problem solved. And I'm very surprised that I hadn't seen that listed anywhere online. So I asked Dave Willis how they got Dana's dad involved or why. And he said that he forgot he was even in the episode and he couldn't remember how that went about. But a fun little cameo, nonetheless. Looking forward to talking to Dana about it whenever we get him on the podcast. Let's take a step back for a second. I'll tell you a little bit about the band Chicago. They are from, and you guessed it, Chicago, Illinois. They were originally called the Chicago Transit Authority, but they just shortened it to Chicago. I think Chicago Transit Authority is kind of a cooler uh, name than just Chicago, but they're a very big band. They blend like rock and soft rock with with jazz rock. They're kind of jazzy. There's lots of people in the band. They have lots of horn players and stuff. Hence, you heard some horn playing in that clip. They're kind of just riffing on this band here. If you've seen Little Nicky with Adam Sandler, you'll be familiar with Chicago because there's a scene in that film where uh, they play a Chicago record backwards and there's like some message from Satan or something along the lines of that. The joke there being that Chicago's kind of this lame vanilla band on the surface, but if you play their music backwards, it's like evil. But by and far, Chicago's most popular song probably is 25 or 6 to 4. I close my eyes. 
I'm not going to lie. That song is pretty undeniably good. But <laughs> as a whole, Chicago, an easy band to dunk on. But like I said in Munawana about Sticks, uh, they're from Chicago, Illinois. I got to support the people from the same state as me because that's just how tribalism works. What else am I supposed to do? Pretty cool, though, to get two uh, back-to-back shout-outs here on Aqua Teen from Chicago-based bands. So let's move on to this background here because it's a pretty simple background. It's just like a big room, but there is some graffiti here that I found interesting and thanks to help from our friend Bob Pettit was able to learn a bit more about. So in the scene, we see a chair with some graffiti behind it. And I asked Bob, I'm like, what is this? All I could really make out was what looked like a date, what looked like 4-7-2007. And there's a word above it, but I couldn't make that out. But luckily, Bob sent me a picture of just that section without the chair. And Bob explained, the word is paladins. And Paladins was Bob's favorite Americana slash rockabilly band at that time. Yeah, you smoke cigarettes and you run around all night. When you get up in the morning, you really ought to So that's what that word is in reference to. Gotta say, the Paladins, a way cooler band name than Chicago. And the date, Bob says, I must have guessed the episode would air in 2007. So the date, I guess, was Bob trying to be topical, although as we know now, the episode came out in 2006. But what I found interesting was if this does say 4-7-2007, which is what it looks like, that Bob was three days early of the premiere of Colon Movie Film for Theaters, which came out 4-10-2007. So a fun little connection there. Otherwise, very, very, very briefly in the scene behind the band, we see a sticker, but we can't make out what it says. Well, Bob sent me a picture of just that sticker, and Bob says, another sticker we can't see is a nod to a buddy's band, High Test. So very briefly, if you were ever if you ever caught that sticker behind one of the band members, it's for Bob's friend's band. So all right, this is a lot of explanation about that clip. The last thing I want to say about it is I just like the way that, of course, Carl is on his bullshit with these bootleg t-shirts that all end up with spelling errors on them. Th- this t-shirt for Chicago saying Chicano, which is a very different <laughs> meaning than what was intended. And it was funny the way that uh, once Carl leaves after kind of going through this whole charade with him talking to Bart, which, you know, the band would think he's crazy because ostensibly they can't see Bart Oates like Frylock couldn't earlier. So it's just this guy walks in and is just talking to himself before throwing a bunch of money and walking away. But I like the way that uh, the band member played by Dana's dad is like, all right, $40 and change or whatever. (laughs) Like they're excited about that in this stage of their career, because I should say Chicago, they were founded like in the, in the 60s and they're still going today. But, uh, you know, in 2006, they are, let's just say past their prime. Moving on to our next clip here, Carl is on yet another mission with Bart Oates, but this time it has nothing to do with Carl's past and things are going to take a very quick turn here. So we find out we're at Linda Hamilton's house who plays Sarah Connor in the Terminator films and Bart Oates, he's not only a ghost of some sort, but he's also some sort of machine 
he will rip his skin off, and then underneath, it's not high tech at all. He's made out of what looks like a some sort of like chicken wire or like a garbage bin or something. He's filled with trash. We see like a banana peel. He's very incredibly low tech. And he's going to explain how all of this was with the ulterior motive of getting Carl to kill Linda Hamilton. And well, I won't even describe it to you. They'll say it in the clip. But to the background, it's a very nice mansion. But interestingly, we have these like Terminator heads right by the gates and those will light up as alarms go off at the end of the clip. I'll recognize this place. Carl, huddle up. This is Linda <laughs> Hamilton's house. She is destined to play Sarah Connor in The Terminator, and Sarah will give birth to John, and he will lead the resistance to the rise against the machines. Well, I mean, she's already been in that movie. Well, I've been sent by the machines to get you to kill Linda Hamilton. What are you talking about, man? She's an actress. Come on, Carl. You got to do it, brother. You got to go all the way. Do it for Tuna. Do it for LT. Come on, man. This is our house. This is Linda's house. We got to run a trap, and you got to lay a big herd on Linda. Lay a big herd on... Listen to yourself. She's an actress. It was a movie. This is friggin' stupid. Stupid? Are you kidding me? Listen, man. When I had my knee surgery, the computers replaced all my parts with metal machinery. You want to see? Looks like they did it on a budget. I don't see any computers in there. What? A lot of cans here. Oh, man. The computers lied to me. Oh, you think? Oh, no. My whole life is a sham. All right, drama queen. Let's get out of here before Linda wakes up. Absolutely batshit insane. Like, it's like they just flipped a switch, and now this is completely different than what we were doing throughout the episode. It doesn't really explain why Bart Oates was trying to get Carl to be a better person. I, I, I can only speculate on why, but ultimately the goal was for him to kill Linda Hamilton because she will go on to play Sarah Connor, who will give birth to John Connor, who will stop the machines. And basically what this is, is that essentially is the plot of the film Terminator, is that uh, the Terminator has to go back in time to kill Sarah Connor because she's going to give birth to John Connor. And what's happening in Aquatine is they're taking that a step back further to where Bart Oates has to get Carl to kill Linda Hamilton so that she won't play Sarah Connor in The Terminator. You can see where this is going. Like, it's basically a step back and a very meta take on the film The Terminator here. Now, Carl points out this makes no sense. First of all, this is a movie that he's referencing. Second of all, the movie was made 22 years before this is happening now, so it's absolute nonsense. At the same time, though, I love Bart Oates bringing in this football terminology still to try and get Carl to do this. He's like, all right, huddle up, Carl. <laughs> In my email with Dave, Dave said, What a crazy episode. I just watched it. The computers lied to me. So I guess that's one of Dave's uh, favorite quotes from the episode, because that's what, that's what Bart says. He's like, the computers lied to me because they told him that they made him out of high-tech machinery, but he's not. And also, uh, maybe he's starting to realize that what they told him to do is like kind of nonsensical. It's funny seeing Carl be the voice of reason. Like, all throughout the episode, Bart Oates has been an authority figure to him, but then here Carl's like, what are you talking about? Like, that's a movie that already happened. I don't know what you want me to do. What will killing Linda Hamilton accomplish? Like, it's just so good. There is a very new connection, though, between Aqua Teen Hunger Force and The Terminator that is worth mentioning. This is as of late last year, the 12th season of Aqua Teen Lance Henriksen, who has been mentioned on Aquatine before, 
he is in Terminator. Well, in season 12, episode 5's Anubis, he plays Vanessa, Meatwad's doll. So there is a shared cast member between the Terminator and Aqua Teen Hunger Force as of 2023. Pretty cool. I want to mention that security voice because remember when we were going through the Adult Swim lineup and we had the dressing? Well, listen to this voice in this clip. I will mute the main dialogue here. Sounds a lot to me like Matt Malero going through the cybernetic ghost slash uh, Turkatron voice modulation. I believe he's saying intruders stand away from the house or get terminated. And then he kind of says it in an Arnold Schwarzenegger accent. This episode is really ramping up. Like they're not explaining a lot of stuff with how Carl got his car back. I mean, you could assume what happened, but they're not showing how he got his car back. Then we cut very quickly to uh, Bart Oates just being, you know, he flipped a switch and now he's like, you got to kill this this actress. And that's going to continue into our final clip of the episode. We cut to Frylock's room where Frylock is performing a bit of brain surgery on Carl. Carl's scalp is off and Frylock is removing a BB from Carl's brain, and then we will see a clip where Bart Oates, he got Master Shake to shoot that BB into Carl's head. Whoa! What the hell is that? It's a BB. It was lodged in his frontal lobe. But how did he get a BB in his brain? Milkshake, we're in the goal line offense, baby. You gotta score. You're a champ, buddy. Go all the way. (laughs) I don't know. I didn't figure out how to shove a daiquiri up my butt. (laughs) And that is it. That is Bart Oats. And this clip is kind of confusing. It it possibly suggests a few things. The way that you could possibly read this clip is that the whole thing was kind of like a hallucination because Carl, like, maybe he was imagining all this because his brain had a BB in it. But we did see Shake with Bart Oats, and then I think the last line in the episode kind of discredits that theory, which is Meatwad talking about that daiquiri that he has to shove up his butt. And that is a direct reference to earlier in the episode when one of his cellmates wanted him to bring a daiquiri to jail up his butt. So my take on what this final scene is, is like at some point, Bart Oates gave up on Carl. Instead, he's he's trying to get Shake to do his bidding. He had Shake take Carl out because maybe he was afraid Carl would tell the police on what he wanted to do with Linda Hamilton. And that's kind of it. A bit of a rushed ending, but I actually really enjoy it. I like it a lot. So before I go into my thoughts on this episode, let's dive into the thoughts over on the Toon Zone forum These posts are from the week that this episode debuted back in 2006. As always, link to this whole thread in the description. Overall, there's not a lot of conversation here. There's only 15 comments in this thread, but people seem to enjoy this one. User Moto Pete says, Good episode. I like the shirt gag. But when did Meatwad become a drug user? Last week, cracking weed. This week, he says it's 420. Yeah, that's a good point, is that Munawana, he's talking about smoking crack cocaine, and now here he's making a 420 joke. Uh, we don't normally get drug references, even in Aquatine in general, but really not from Meatwad. But uh, hey, I guess drugs are on Matt and Dave's mind while writing these two episodes. User The Mist says, Carl repenting was the funniest thing I've seen all week. 
Like, everything between when Bart Oates showed up and, well, basically the ending was pure gold. So it's refreshing to see people here liking the episodes so much, which is, you know, not the case, as you're well aware, over this season. But that's what's going on over at the Toon Zone Forum in December of 2006. So, jumping into my thoughts on Bart Oates, and I kind of gave you some of them up top in that... This is one I always kind of stayed away from on rewatches because I knew it was like Carl with some football player and I just didn't think it would be that good of an episode. But God damn it, it's not the first time I was dead wrong. I was so surprised by how much is packed into this one. Again, with the A plot and the B plot thing, the way that we cut to Master Shake and Meatwad for a quick joke to then like transition us in our scene back to the A-plot with Carl and Bart Oates. I like seeing Carl have to make amends with all these people, but all these situations are pretty interesting, pretty funny. We get a range of things from, you know, he bails Meatwad and Shake out of prison just to be a better person. He has to, you know, apologize at a gravestone, but then he also has to give money back to Chicago for bootlegging off them. And it's funny that that joke is kind of reoccurring off of the Nats joke from earlier in the episode. A Carl-centric episode is not new for Aqua Teen, most notably Season 3, Episode 13, Spacegate World, a.k.a. Carl. But this episode does a really good job of giving us some moments with all of the Aqua Teens. Like, we have a decent amount of Frylock here, and it's cool to see Frylock and Carl interact throughout the episode. We don't get that a lot throughout Aqua Teen, where it's just Frylock and Carl. But again, too, just getting cuts of Meatwad and Shake... Seeing them in prison and playing around with that is a lot of fun. Everybody gets a little bit of time to shine here, even though it is firmly a Carl-based episode. It doesn't feel like Matt and Dave just didn't want to write for the other Aqua Teens, which is, spoilers, something we will see in Season 5. It seems like, you know, they wanted to use everybody, but Carl just got a bit more attention because of the way that the plot line is set up with Bart Oates. Speaking of Bart, I already said I think he did a great job in this episode as somebody who is not an actor. I think it's just such a specific thing. Like, it's the specific player. Carl is addressing this specific real NFL player, and it makes the show feel more real in a way because, like I've said, I I don't know anything about football. I have no relation to Bart Oates as a football player. But if you are a football head and certainly one that was around in the 80s and 90s, that could be like really insanely cool to see a football player that you know show up in this episode and they're referencing kind of like things that happened in his, his Super Bowl wins and things of that nature. So I like that real world connection here. But then also in true Aqua Teen fashion, they flip the switch towards the end and it just goes off the rails where he's like somewhat of a machine Carl needs to kill an actress to stop a film that already happened, and just absolute nonsense. So they're doing a lot here. I genuinely was surprised by how great this episode is, so I think I gotta give this one four and a half ass-smuggled daiquiris out of five. A very high score for an episode I previously didn't give a shit about. But that's just one of the cool things about doing this podcast and spending so much time with these episodes is growing an appreciation for things that were easy to look over in the past. Real quick, I want to shout out, I love that they included the tree wizard, the homeless guy that Matt Malero plays, because 
I love Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary, so it's cool to see them just just bring a little character back like that, just for a moment. They don't dwell on him. They just bring him back for a little bit in a fun way. So lots to love about Bart Oates. Let me know what you think about it. You could head on over to the Instagram. You can find the podcast at Aqua Teen Pod. Link in the description. You could send me an email, whatever. I'd love to know your thoughts on this one. I hope you enjoyed spending time with this episode as much as I did. Thank you to Bob Pettit for all his help on this one. Again, keep an eye out on his socials because Bob's always up to stuff. He's always posting Aqua Teen concept art and... He may have some merch on the way, so keep an eye out on Bob's Instagram and Twitter. Links to those in the description. Thank you to Dave Willis for helping out here and Mr. J. Wade Edwards as well. I want to huddle up with New York Nats number one and Joss H. for supporting the podcast. Again, this show is completely independent. Every single patron goes a very long way in allowing me to continue to do this. So if you find value in this podcast, any contribution helps. That is patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden. And I got to give some shout outs to our Hall of Famers here. You know, our Highlander, Nick. There can be only one. Bart Oates only won one Super Bowl with the 49ers, just like there's only one Nick. And of course, shout outs to our number one in the Hood G tier patrons, Sean, Ian, Captain Buford, Robison, Jason, Carl, Lechera, Tone69, Empower706, SwimWiki, Lurvenator, Tegan, Thorin, The Grumpy Dwarf, Garrick, and Caleb. You guys can buy some bootleg Aqua Teen shirts any day of the week. I'll see you on March 11th when we're diving into the episode Antenna. It's gonna be a wild ride. Talk to you then. Keep it cool. Take it easy. Bye-bye. All right, I'm coming in afterwards for the real ones, those still sticking around. I forgot to say something that I wanted to say. So there's that scene earlier in the episode where we get a flashback of Carl in like 90 whatever when he has long hair. And it's, of course, like the wig from the clowning. But it's funny because there is an episode similar to this one, and I've already mentioned it, Cybernetic Ghost of Christmas Past from the Future, where Carl, again, gets woken up by some sort of ghost robotic creature, the same thing as Bart Oates, it turns out, and he gets a blast to his past, like, we get a flashback of sorts, and in that episode, Carl, he's only eight years old, if you'll remember, (laughs) like, it's him and his dad, and in that scene, MC Chris plays Carl, and Carl, as an eight-year-old, is balding already like he has the same exact hairstyle so it's funny to see carl bald in that scene in that episode when we get the flashback but here we get a flashback and he has hair and there's really no continuity on this because i'm thinking again to season three episode 13 space gate world where we see carl in his yearbook he has hair again it's possible that in the flashback in this episode as well as the space gate world um, high school photo, maybe he's wearing a wig in both. Maybe he did go bald at eight and he has to wear a wig. I don't know. Lots of possibilities. But all we know now is Carl, he's balding now. 
and he's accepted it. Maybe there's a lesson there to learn. I don't know. In retrospect, we probably shouldn't take life lessons from Carl. But also, to this episode's credit, it is somewhat similar to Cybernetic Ghost of Christmas Past from the Future, but completely different. So I think it's cool the way that they were able to implement like a similar plot point, but then execute it in a completely different way. Mad props to Matt and Dave on that. I think it's cool. Okay, talk to you later.